Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show. It's always good to have you some satire today, but the theology embedded within the satire I do stand by. Yes, it's time for another episode of Modern Day Epistles with your old pal, Bob. Thank you. St. Bob's Epistle to the Calvinists. From Bob, a minister of the gospel, to the Church of the Calvinists, wherever your embassies are located these days, grace and peace from the Almighty Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to your theology, ordained and predestined this letter. In obedience, therefore, to his sovereign decision, please read carefully. Come on, guys. You used to be more fun. Oh, sure, we argued a lot, but we did it over coffee in an atmosphere of mutual respect. Lately, I'm catching a different tone from the lot of you. I'm starting to hear that Calvinism is the only legitimate Christian theology And those of us who aren't Calvinists may as well pack a picnic lunch. We're told that we haven't studied the Bible thoroughly the way you have. Indeed, we may not even be saved. Asking forgiveness for our sins and giving our lives to Jesus aren't enough. We must believe that we did not give our lives to Jesus. We must believe instead that God saved us against our will. In fact, it wasn't even our will. We must believe that no free will exists in humans. And if we have trouble believing this, we need to muster up the willpower to force ourselves into believing it. Well, something like that. Guys, Guys, I mean, gee whiz, do I have to start sounding like Paul in 2 Corinthians? Do I have to address these accusations by boasting about my own scriptural conclusions? Do I have to defend the Arminian position even though I don't feel this is really an issue worth fighting over and I'm not a 100% Arminian anyway? Do I have to show the other side of the fence just to keep your fence from annoying the rest of us? Okay, fine. Here it goes. Bob's boast. Have your leaders thoroughly explored the scripture? So have I. Have they graduated seminary? So have I. Are they ordained? Do they study Greek? Do they know the history of the Calvinist movement? Ditto, 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 I, I, I. We'll start with a little history. Certainly, John Calvin was a significant forerunner of the Reformation, but the opposing viewpoint also has a rich heritage. Not long after Calvinists came into power, a group of people called the Remonstrants began to teach some different ideas. Jacob Arminius, a professor of theology at the University of Leiden, challenged the Remonstrants and, in time, actually found himself persuaded by them. Shortly thereafter, he became a chief leader in the movement and many remonstrants referred to themselves as Arminians. In 1618 through 19, the Reformed churches, Calvinists, officially denounced Arminianism at a synod in Dort. A few days after the synod, a leading remonstrant was beheaded, but this did not stop the new movement. Remonstrants continued in Holland as an alternative church, and throughout the rest of history, when Calvinism was taught, Arminianism was not far away. Years later, John Wesley made the teaching of Arminianism even more popular 
Wesley was a key figure in the Great Awakening, one of the most substantial revival movements ever seen in America. He also started the Methodist Church. Now, if we want to conclude that denominations such as the Presbyterians and Reformed are more legitimate historically than the Methodists, we are really making a reach. Let's face it, God uses many organizations. The Arminian position rejects the Calvinist idea of predestination. It does not conclude that simply because God is sovereign, he therefore causes all things to happen. Instead, a sovereign God can allow free will if he wishes. In any event, both Calvinists and Arminians will admit that history itself does not validate a theology. With this in mind, we can now turn to the Bible. Extreme statements were very common to the ancient Hebrew culture. They spoke in deliberate, exaggerated ways. They used a lot of hyperbole and with this type of expression, they frequently described events from the point of view of God's sovereignty. For example, 2 Samuel 24 tells us that God inspired David to take a census of Israel and then punished him for taking this very census. On the other hand, 1 Chronicles 21 says that Satan incited David to take the census, and God simply allowed it. Both were true accounts of the same incident to the Hebrews. Each account is written in a different style. This helps us to understand some of the standard texts which Calvinists use. For example, Romans 9. God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. To an ancient Hebrew, this would have meant that God permits men to harden their own hearts. Certainly all hearts rebel, and people must receive the influence of the Holy Spirit before they are capable of repentance. But Matthew chapter 12 tells us that this process can be stifled by human volition. Jesus calls such resistance the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Calvinists argue that God is not obligated to save anybody, and if he chooses to soften only a few hearts, it is still undeserved mercy. Mercy. True enough. However, Jesus did die for everybody according to 1 John. So certainly he is interested in extending his mercy to all. A fair and benevolent God is not going to show partiality by predestining only a few for salvation. Yes, the word predestined is found in Scripture, but let's check the usage. Romans 8, for those God foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Were they predestined to be saved? No. God already knew they would be saved and therefore predestined them to be conformed to the image of Christ. The predestination has to do with our fate after salvation. Now I've heard the standard Calvinist response. If you knew the original Greek, you would read the passage differently. You would understand that the phrase foreknew refers not to knowledge ahead of time, but rather to a personal relationship. Yes, of course, the original Greek usually bails people out. But not today. As it happens, the word in question, prognosco, can mean either thing, foreknowledge or or a personal relationship. Therefore, one passage is not enough with which to build a dogmatic case. We must see which interpretation fits the context of other scripture. Scripture like 2 Peter chapter 3. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Got that? God is not wanting anyone to perish. Does Peter then stop and say to himself, 
Even though God wants everyone to repent, he knows that they can't repent unless he allows them to, and he will only allow it with some. Or was Jesus schizophrenic in Matthew chapter 23 when he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house has left you desolate. Did Jesus then turn around and think to himself, of course, it's my will that you were not willing. It's my will that your city be destroyed. That's the way it goes with a sovereign God like me. I'll go even one crazier. Is it God's will that I sympathize with the Arminian position? According to your Calvinism, it is God's will that I sympathize with the Arminians. Why? Because supposedly I have no free will. So if I have no free will, my critique of Calvinism must be God's will. Okay. You forced me to do it. You forced me to boast and argue and make a scriptural case for the Arminian position. But here's the bottom line. If you want to believe in Calvinism, go ahead. I can still fellowship with you. I can still respect you. Why can't you fellowship with me? Is our position on predestination the basis for our fellowship? Or is it the cross? According to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it's the cross. He said, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I hope to visit you soon, Lord willing. Greet Marcus, Aphia, Demetrius, and Dogmaticus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your enthusiastic spirits.